on Thursday, the prayer triplet that I'm in with Ruth Garrison and Herb Seard prayed the question and the prompts, Lord, help us to see our neighbors as you see them. Maybe some of the other prayer triplets have also prayed that request. And our triplet prayed for God to give our congregation a new eye exam. To give all of us the courage to put down the ego glasses we so often find ourselves looking through. The lenses that keep our focus on what we think is best and will keep our worlds unaffected by what goes on around us. And instead to pick up the Holy Spirit glasses that Jesus offers us as his disciples so that we will see the world with the vision and focus of Christ. I come from a family of glasses wearers, and it looks like a bunch of us in here do too. Both my parents and both sets of grandparents wear bifocals. And even as a kid, before I knew what bifocals meant, I knew that it meant being able to see both near and far because of the head motions and the looks and the tones of voice that went with the looks. <laughs> a head tilt up meant I was under close scrutiny. What are you doing right here? <laughs> and a head tilt down meant I was under observation, even from across the room. What are you doing over there? <laughs> the looks. Two views, one set of glasses. Very little chance of going undetected in my house growing up. But the Gospels also tell us Jesus, metaphorically speaking, wore bifocals. He had bifocal vision. Jesus was nearsighted enough to meet the immediate needs of those around him for healing, for community, for restoration of relationships. But Jesus was also far-sighted enough to recognize the brokenness and the systemic structures of society around him and to declare that into this brokenness, the kingdom of God is breaking through, bringing good news of freedom, recovery, release, and reconciliation that is the heart of God's favor. Jesus had bifocal vision to help him see this world for what it is and for what it can be. And Jesus taught his disciples to have that same bifocal vision. The New Testament describes the early church movement as having this bifocal vision. Preaching and discipleship in the immediate congregation and service in and with the wider community. So that the church was nearsighted enough to see particular needs, hurts, gifts, and strengths in the community of faith. And the church was farsighted enough to realize context matters. The issues that impact the lives and experiences of all the people around them are those of the human spirit and need to be talked about from a faithful perspective. So we come back to this triplet prayer. Lord, help us to see our neighbors as you see them. And we come to these texts 
read so wonderfully and powerfully today that tell us why it matters. We need to keep our neighbors in view and how we are called to be in relationship to our neighbors, both near and far. The Ten Commandments appear twice in the Hebrew Scriptures. Once in Exodus 20, which we will read next week, and today in Deuteronomy chapter 5. There's little variation in both accounts of the commandments, except for one, the fourth commandment, to observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. As you'll hear again next week, though the behavior required of the fourth commandment is the same, to work six days and rest on one, the reasons why are quite different. In Deuteronomy, the fourth commandment is grounded in the experience of a people newly released from slavery. Sabbath is the opposite of slavery. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs describes Sabbath this way, as the day on which everyone, master and slave, employer and employee, even animals, experience unconditional freedom. We neither work nor get others to work, manipulate nor allow ourselves to be manipulated. We may neither buy nor be bought. It is the day on which all hierarchies, all relationships of power are suspended. Keeping Sabbath resists the identity that our commodity-driven society seeks to impose on us which says we are what we have, we are what we do, and we are what other people say about us. Sabbath reminds us that our identity is rooted first and foremost in God, as God's beloved, created to freely dance and sing, work and rest. Sabbath is the embodied expression of the good news of freedom recovery, release, and reconciliation that is at the heart of God's favor. This is what Jesus himself embodies, a Sabbath that recognizes he is not part of the systems of work and anxiety and never-ending productions to do more, to be more, to have more. The alternative that Jesus offers is described so beautifully in the Gospel of Matthew. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Being weary, heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care. These are all ways of speaking about what it's like to live without Sabbath, without rest to live under the relentless forces of production and consumerism, supply and demand that characterizes Pharaoh's Egypt in the Exodus story. Jesus invites us to take on his easy and gentle yoke, his way of life that is completely in sync with the Sabbath-keeping and Sabbath-giving God, the other opposite of Pharaoh. Because Jesus kept Sabbath, staying in regular rhythm of work and rest with God, 
His vision stayed clear. And Jesus invites us to do the same. To regularly pause. To reflect on and seek guidance from the one in whose, in whose image all things are created. Keeping Sabbath means we remember we are created in the image of God who desires justice, kindness, compassion, and humility from all creation, but especially from humans, and who commands us that we use our work and our rest to structure a society in which the ability to experience Sabbath freedom and liberation extends to all creation. So Sabbath, hate to break it to you, is more than just taking a nap after church. <laughs> Small, small piece. But it is way more than that. Sabbath, at its heart, is about our need for guidance. Our need for God to give us that new eye exam. So that we see the why, which makes our hows possible. Sabbath is the pause for us to realize the why at the root of all of the how. Sabbath is about learning from Jesus how to see clearly with the eyes of faith. Why it matters to have time and space dedicated to let God work on us and with us in renewing ways. And then how we are to respond to those who need a compassionate response from us. Sabbath is the investment needed to keep our vision clear by taking the time to still ourselves and notice whether we're looking through Holy Spirit glasses or ego glasses when we face complicated questions and situations before us. Sabbath keeps our egos in check, reminding us as disciples of Jesus that we are to live our lives in right relationship with God and our neighbor. This coming Wednesday night, you are invited to practice seeing our neighbors as God sees them. Specifically, the neighbors who are staying and sleeping underneath Providence House, and our immediate residential neighbors who are aware and have expressed concerns. The Spirit's bifocal vision is required for us as our congregation discerns the ways we're being called to respond to those who need compassionate responses from Providence Baptist Church. And I will be completely honest and upfront. There are so many layers of complexity in the work of addressing homelessness and housing insecurity in Henderson County. It's more than what one congregation or one agency can fix or address on their own. And I don't know what a solution looks like right now. But I do know three things. First, I know that whatever solution does emerge will only happen with our entire church body coming together to pray and discern the way forward. Second, I know that our approach needs to change. The inaction on the part of the whole church has itself become an action, 
creating confusion, whether permission was given or denied by the whole church for folks to stay and sleep overnight on the property. The consequences and the risks of that confusion are increasing. And so we are urging, we are needing to be part of a unified approach, rooted in clear communication, specific action, and compassionate responses that we make together. Again, it comes back to together. And third, Jesus is clear that those who call themselves his disciples are to be in relationship with those whom Jesus calls his family and friends. Those who are hungry, thirsty, sick, formerly incarcerated, worried, stressed out, afraid, and lonely. That's what I know. There's a lot I don't know. But between now and Wednesday evening, I will continue to pray for God to help me to see our neighbors as God sees them and to continue discerning clarity about what I know and what I don't. And I invite you to do the same. And for all of us to remember the invitation and commandment to keep Sabbath with Jesus. Let's hear that invitation from Matthew again. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and rightly. Jesus says, walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. We will do this together. Beloveds, may it be so.